Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. visited you like he visited Abraham. 
When was the last time that God revealed a dimension or dimensions of his character to Abraham like he uh, like he did Abraham as he's done to you? Excuse me. So if God have not visited you, revealed himself to you like he revealed himself to Abraham, then most likely that is not the pattern he's choosing for you. Think about... You have to excuse me, I'm blowing my nose, and I know it's, it's, it's improper. It's not tactful. Uh, uh, so I apologize for that. And... It wouldn't, didn't, nothing has started happening until I got on this uh, broadcast. But nevertheless, we still walk victorious and we still are healed, and that is a reality to me. <clears throat> but let's go on, if you will. We don't see God visiting Isaac like he visited Abraham. He did visit Isaac. I said like he visited Abraham. We don't see God visiting Jacob in the same way he visited Abraham. But he did visit Abraham. But the pattern of God for Isaac's life was Abraham. And the pattern of Jacob's life was Isaac. So therefore, there are men and women that God do initiate a relationship with. Usually when we see that pattern in the word of God, God is getting ready to do something new in the earth realm that he haven't done before. We see this with Adam. God initiates, creates man in his image and his likeness. We see this with Noah. God coming to Noah because he's going to destroy humanity. We see this with David. God is getting ready to change the course of the nation of Israel. So when we see God visiting individuals on a personal level, we see it also with Samuel. God is going to change the priesthood. We see this with Paul. Supernatural, Jesus visited him. And we see that he plays the major role in the help to develop the church. So that's not a normal pattern. When we begin to look at the life of Abraham, that's not the normal pattern. The normal pattern is God using men to help men. Now, we see Paul had an encounter with Jesus, and then we see him going into Arabia for three three years. God mentored him. He comes back to Jerusalem, submit himself to the authority in Jerusalem. Peter, James, and John. Then we see him get a young man named Timothy and begin to mentor him. That is the pattern. Let's look at this faith thing and see why do we struggle with faith. Abraham is our pattern. We go ahead and use Abraham. I'm going to read from the book of Romans, chapter 4, and starting with verse 1. Now, before I read this, I ask you, are you a person of faith? I'm going to say, yes, I'm a person of faith. Okay. What will be the evidence of my faith and your faith if we are people of faith? I'm going to tell you, the church, we have hurt one another. I'm going to tell you how we hurt one another. 
We call people people of faith because of what they have accomplished and acquired. So we measure faith by materialistic things or the creation of things, or God's creation, rather. How many of us really call anybody today people of faith based on their relationship with God? You say, well, if they have a relationship with God, then they'll have a house, have a car, they'll be married, they'll have money in the bank, they'll never be sick, they'll never be this, they'll never be that. Where do you get that from? Who told you that? Who, who shared it with? Show me that in the word of the Lord. Do you remember the, the, the parable concerning Lazarus, the beggar, and the rich man? And one of them died. Both of them didn't die, excuse me. The rich man went to hell, and Lazarus, the beggar, went to paradise. Well, he had faith. But he was a beggar. And he went to paradise. He went to heaven. Then, but based on his life or what we saw in the earth, he couldn't have been a saved person. Nor a person of faith. Because he was a beggar. He was a rich man. We would call him a person of faith. Because he was rich. But he went to hell. And what happens in the church, we'll put such great demands on people to step out of God's will, and we call it faith, to pressure them. Uh, We can't pressure nobody. They feel pressured to do things, accomplish things, uh, because the standard is you're a person of faith. If you have accomplished this and you received this, you got this, you live this way and drive this way, you're a person of faith. That that has become the standard. But when we look in the word of the Lord, especially in the book of Acts, on the, the man that was considered spiritual, the qualification had nothing to do with things and stuff. The spiritual man was considered one that was a person of love, person of faith, person of goodness and kindness and gentleness, patience. They called them spiritual men. Not what they had obtained, but who they had become. And I believe all of us focus on becoming and not obtaining, the church will be more spiritual than carnal. How many of us operate like the Pharisee in the parable of Jesus talking in the Samaritan, the parable of the Samaritan? We see someone that is not like us, we put up our nose at them. Because they're not people of faith, we would say. So our focus is not people becoming. Our focus is people acquiring. How many of us uh, exalt the man, the pastor, the shepherd, that have 
5,000 members over the one that have 500? How many of us exalt the one that have 30,000 over 300? Do we not say that they are more spiritual because they have more members? Do you not see how natural we have become, how carnal we have become, and how we have diluted faith? Because surely we say they are people of faith because they have 5,000. They are people of faith because they have 30,000. They are people of faith because they have 50,000. They are people of faith because they have 100,000. And not saying they are people of faith because they have become men of God, women of God, men of love. Men of peace, men of joy, men of compassion, men that is caring, men as givers, men that care more about the things of others than themselves. All those attributes of his name, was that Jesus? Absolutely. Was Jesus a man of faith? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we need to repent in the body of Christ for putting pressure on people uh, to do something that the Bible has not called them to do, and then we call them people of faith. Once again, faith is not what you have attained. Your faith is revealing who you have become. But in this realm, we don't want to. We don't want to be a, a, a identified as becoming. We want to be identified as acquiring. You see how distorted. Our faith is, and it's, and it's really satanic for the simple reason, because uh, there's that's, that's no difference between that mentality and Satan or Lucifer before he became Satan. Let's look at some, some principles here of faith found in the word of the Lord in the book of Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham... Our ancestor, according to the faith, has found. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. That's what verse 2 says now. For if Abraham had was justified by works, if Abraham was justified by works, sometimes the words appear to be contradictable. Because James says faith without works is dead. Here, Paul is speaking in Romans 4, verse 2, if, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And we're going to break down these two works in a few minutes here. He said, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Verse 3, and Abraham believed God, and Abraham did what? Believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Verse 4. Now, let, 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 before I go to verse 4, now, notice what it says. For, for, what Abraham, for, excuse me, for what does the scripture say? And Abraham did what? Believed God, and what happened? And it was credited to him for righteousness. Then if I ask you, do you believe God? You're going to say, absolutely. Then it's 
credit to you for righteousness? You're going to say, absolutely. Now, how do you know Abraham believed God? How do I know Abraham believed God? Because he confessed it? I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I trust God. I believe God. I believe God. I trust God. No. That is not the proof of the evidence that Abraham believed God by his confession. The evidence that Abraham believed God is he obeyed God. God said, get thee from that country and that father's house and go to the country I tell you of. The Bible said, Abraham got up and left. Hebrews 11 said he left not knowing where he was going. That's believing God. Now, notice, if you will, verse 2. Go back to verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. So Abraham was not justified by getting up going. He was justified by believing God. By believing God, he got up and went. His motive was not Getting up, his motive was bringing pleasure to God, obeying God. Here's relationship. Once again, here's relationship. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Verse 3 again. For what does the scripture says? And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. It was credited to him for righteousness. He believed God, and God gave him credit. Our God accredited him. He believed God, and God believed in him. Was evident that God believed in him? He accredited his faith, his trust, his confidence in God was credited for righteousness. Let's go on. It's, it's beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. This, this faith thing is beautiful because it has everything to do with him believing him, trusting him. When you don't understand what is going on, when he tells you to do something that don't make absolutely no sense, and usually, usually, if God is speaking to you to tell you to do something, it going, it's not going to make any sense. That's how you know it's God. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, his pay is not credited. Notice this, this is this is beautiful. Now to the one who works, his pay is not credited according to grace, but according to his due. And this is this is this is so awesome. And and this should let you and I right here, this verse right here should let you and I know if we've been operating in faith or not. So how's that? Okay, watch this here. Now to the one who works, now to the one who works, now to the one who works, then my question would be to our ready audience tonight, did you go to work today? Did, are you going to work tomorrow? Are you going to work Thursday and Friday? Are you going to look for a paycheck Friday or next Friday? 
Well, you say, yes. Well, why are you looking for a paycheck? Because I went to work. Did you go to work by faith? Yeah, I went to work by faith, but I went to work. I, I want a paycheck. So you're expecting a paycheck. Yes, sir. Isn't that amazing? And that's exactly how the majority of, I won't say majority, so many of us believers operate. And we call it faith. We go do something and we want a paycheck. We do have a morning devotion, we want a paycheck. We've been faithful going to church, we want a paycheck. We've been faithful in paying our tithes and off, we want a paycheck. So our relationship with God is done out of works. Because if it wasn't done out of works, you wouldn't be looking for a paycheck. Everything that is done by works is a paycheck. Let's make it even more practical. Those of you that is married, if I ask you, do you believe God joined you and your spouse together in holy matrimony? Some, some of you I would say yes, yeah, and some of you say, I used to. I don't believe that anymore. But thank you for telling the truth because God already knows. But watch this here. This is beautiful. Those of you that is married, if I ask you, do you love your spouse, you're going to say yes. The Bible says faith works by what? Love. Interesting. Do you love your spouse? Yes. Do faith work by love? Yes. Do you love your spouse? Yes. Do you love your spouse by faith or by works? What are you going to tell me? By faith. Okay. Let's examine it, if you will. I was talking to somebody uh, not too long ago. We were talking about, uh, I had an uh, a excellent leadership training on, on Sunday evening, and I was uh, talking to my, uh, asked my leaders about uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, where do they see this uh, self in their relationship with the Lord? And um, um, uh, I think the lowest number I got five, from five to eight, all the way up to eight. Then I asked them a question. I said, so from five to eight, okay, what is the thing that has hindered you from being a 10? And and they started off kind of slow and started off erroneously and had absolutely no clue what they were saying. What I mean by that, you cannot get to a 10 if you don't know what's hindering you. If you can't, if you don't know you, if you don't know, if you don't know the enemy that challenges you, you're not going to be able to uh, deal with that thing or, or submit that thing to the cross. Uh, so that thing can you can die to that thing, and so you and I uh, can elevate to a level of a ten, and only you, I can elevate to a level of ten that we live a hundred percent for the Lord. We have ceased to live for ourselves. The greatest enemy to our elevation in God and our relationship with Him and fellowship with Him is ourselves. But if I don't know what's the thing in EJ that is blocking me and hindering me, then I'll, I'll be spinning the wheels. And I shared with them one of my hindrances 
one of my challenges is when I come home from work, I like to go into my media room. I like to turn my uh, my television on, and I like ESPN. I'm a sports person. I like sports. I like to see what is going on throughout the world in the areas of sports. Is there anything wrong with it? Absolutely not. But what if the Lord speaks to me and says, I don't want you to watch that. I want you to come spend some time with me. Can I easily, with pleasure, but because it become a routine, sometimes it's hard to break routines. You're not conscious of God. You're conscious of what you're going to do. So I'm conscious of getting there and watching ESPN. If we don't understand how to make this thing practical, then, ladies and gentlemen, we can never hit a 10 in our relationship with him. That's what I like. I like watching ESPN. But can I sacrifice ESPN for him? Because he called me to come aside. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you do what? Present your bodies, what kind of? A living. Not a dead sacrifice, a living. So I'm sacrificing ESPN, a living sacrifice for me to be able to spend that time that I was given ESPN to nobody but you, sir. Another thing I'd share with about me. You got to know you. What's blocking your faith, your trust, your confidence, your intimacy, your oneness with him. I'm a, I like sweets. I like banana pudding. I like ice cream. I like cake. I like I was raised upon this stuff. My mother baked all the time. It's never a week, a week went by she didn't bake them. Never. All the days of me growing up. So I like cookies, homemade cookies. I, I, I like sweets. So the month of March, I will be turning myself away from sweets. I will present my body a living sacrifice because I refuse to allow sweets to master me. I refuse to allow ESPN to master me. We make it difficult, ladies and gentlemen. We, we make this thing so hard, but it's, it's so practical. It's so simple, but we make it so deep. You know, you should know you. But if you cannot start naming some practical things some, that you love and you know is a vice in your life and it's blocked, and you may not even think it's blocking your intimacy with God, Because you're looking at fornication, adultery, murder, stealing, lying. That's what you're looking at. But anything that's controlling you, and you're not in control, is a sin. And it's hindering your intimacy with God. It's hindering your relationship with him. And listen to me. It can be something so innocent. It could be something that even appear to be spiritual, but it has become a, it's become a vice. Are, are, are you getting this? Now, the reason I was bringing that up uh, 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 concerning my, my leadership is because if, they can, if I cannot, you cannot identify the thing that is blocking intimacy with him because, because what may be blocking intimacy with me may not be blocking intimacy with you. All of us have things that we like. 
all of our things we like. And it's ne- and the things we like is not it's not necessarily a sin. Watching ESPN is not a sin. Eating sweets is not a sin. The only thing making a sin when these things control or dictate and control my life and not the Holy Spirit. So, and the Holy Spirit did not tell me, stop watching ESPN. The Holy Spirit did not say, do not eat any more sweets for the month of March. He didn't say that. This is something that I'm making a decision to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help me nail this thing to the cross. We have to make it practical. We have to make it practical. Now, if we, if we, those of you married folks say, I love my wife, I love my husband. Do you? Yes, I do. Until they say something, do something you don't like. Now, when your spouse says something, do something that you don't like, now remember, faith works by what? Love. Faith works by what? Love. And what is love? What is love? I asked uh, 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 someone recently what was love. They was they was being challenged in their mind with their spouse. And and what they were sharing to me, they said, you know, um, I, I've been married five years now, six years, seven. I forgot what how many years I've been married. They, they, they told me, and they said, you see, like my uh, my spouse should uh, know something that I like at the, at this present time. I just listened to them. It was going on and on and on and on and on. And then from my understanding, they was embarrassing their spouse in front of everybody else because the spouse um, uh, was not able to minister to them in something that they liked. I said, interesting. Then I said, well, do you love your spouse? Yes, I love my spouse. What is love? They said, you know, love is that emotion that you know that make you feel this way, blah, 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 blah. I said, they got your problem right there. I said, they got your problem. I said, what you just described is not even biblical. God's love have absolutely is not contingent upon emotions and feelings at all. Period. I said, they got your problem right there. Love have nothing to do with emotions or feelings. Love have everything to do with obeying the object of your love. Have nothing to do feel like loving you, don't feel like loving you. I love you, and my love for you is through my obedience. It's my sacrifice. Love isn't love if there's not if there's not a love and a measure of sacrifice involved. What I have discovered that the, um, so many people do not love absolutely no one. They lust everyone. I don't say everyone, but they lust their partners. They lust their partners. They don't love their partners. They lust their partners. Because love is me willing to sacrifice myself for the benefit of you. The benefit of your, your need, your purpose. So the element of sacrifice is there. You know what lust is? Lust is putting a demand on someone to give you what you want at their expense. 
We love God. I don't care what God do, what it takes. Give me what I want. Lust. So therefore, therefore, when your spouse don't give you what you want, how do you handle that? You begin to pout. You begin to cry. You begin to whine. You begin to complain. You don't love me. Witchcraft. Don't even know it, but it's witchcraft. Love never put a demand on anyone to give it anything. Never. Love is giving. God so loved the world he gave. He gave. He gave. Love always focuses on giving. Love always focuses on making someone else better at his expense. God, at God's expense, he gave Jesus to make us better. Love. A love, a person that loves is not a person, what's the word I'm looking for here, when people claim ownership to something. That's how a lot of people is. This is my wife, my husband. By the jealous is cruel as the grave. Love isn't jealous. There's no jealousy in love. And it's impossible to love without loving by faith. Faith have nothing to do with you directly, but faith have everything to do with the object or, or the source of your life. You faith in God. Trust God. Not your spouse, God. I trust God that he's going to honor his word concerning this relationship. But all of the evidence, all of the natural evidence say it'll never happen. And everybody calls you a fool. Everybody say you're stupid. And I'm sure the problem majority of us on the phone have felt stupid before by standing on the word of God. I know I have in different areas of my life. But the only thing you have is a word from him. All you think you have is what he said. And so you hang in there because of him. You keep on loving the person because of him. It's not your emotion, not your feelings. It's obedience to him towards a person. You keep on, you're obedient to God towards your children. You don't give up on them or quit on them, but you don't compromise with them because to compromise with them means you love them more than you love him. How do we get on this love thing? We're supposed to be talking about faith. I know faith works about love. But I, we, we, know, we know without a shadow of a doubt God is talking. That's how it works. So faith works by love. So I personally believe the level and the measure of your faith will reveal the level and the measure of your love towards him. And your love towards him is going to be revealed in your obedience. And your obedience is going to reveal your faith. Abraham, the scripture says, was justified not by works. Anytime there's works, you can boast. And if there's boasting, it's a revelation that you're operating by works and not by faith. Look what I accomplished. Look what I just did. 
That's works. When it's faith, God gets all the glory. When it's works, you get all the glory. Your motive for praying is for people to say, wow. Your motive for studying is because of people to get the people to say, wow. Your motive for preaching, wow. Your motive for following the gifts of the Spirit, wow. You're a man of God. No. No, 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 no. That's works. Because you're boasting. When it's faith, you know, God know, the devil know, demons know, it was grace. It was grace. When you look for reward, it's pain. When you're doing it by faith, you don't look for reward. You look for him to be glorified. You look for him to be exalted. You look for him to be extolled. Are you hearing the Holy Spirit tonight? If we get this thing, ladies and gentlemen, there's no stopping us. And so what God does, God has to test my faith and your faith every day. Uh, once a week, once a month, whenever, whatever required, he tests our faith. And how do he test your faith? When he give, tell you to do something, and you do it, and when you begin to sense a stirring in your on, on the inside of you, nobody said anything. Nobody said, "Well done." Nobody don't appreciate me. Nobody, uh, 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 everyone ignores me. What is that, ladies and gentlemen? That's a revelation of works, and it's not a revelation of faith because you are looking for reward. What's reward? I need a thank you. I need somebody to show me that they appreciate me. That's what I need. So it's, 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 it's a reward. You're looking for reward. When you're walking and living by faith, now notice what God, now, now Abraham, watch, think about it. God said, get thee out of that country, out of the Father, I'm going to the place I should tell you. Who going to pat him on his back for that? Not his wife. Because he's moving out of a place of, of, of uh, security. Into a state of in the natural insecurity. You think it's like gonna be prayer? Oh, praise God, my, my, my man is a man of God. Where are we going, honey? I don't know. You don't know? What did God say? He just said, Leave. You think he's gonna be in praise? You think his family members they're gonna praise him? They're gonna think he's see now. Something is wrong with him. He's leaving, going somewhere, he don't even know where he's going. So he could not be doing it for works, for pay, because he ain't getting nothing for nobody. So use when God tells you to step out by faith, usually nobody's going to pat you on your back because it's going to sound so stupid and crazy many times. Faith everything to do with obeying him. Faith everything to do with pleasing him. I'm doing this to bring pleasure to him. Faith. Are you getting something today? Are you getting anything? Let's keep on, if you will. So we see here, verse 4 says, Now to the one who works, his pay is not credited according to grace. It's not credited according to grace. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one or two things. It either works or grace. It's either works or it is grace. It either works or it is grace. It either works or it is grace. 
When it's grace, nobody can boast because you realize it was grace that did it. And grace, grace cannot do it. Grace cannot manifest itself apart from faith. Faith and grace work hand in hand. If there is a liking, if there is a liking of grace, it is because there's a liking of faith. And when there is a liking of faith and a liking of grace, that's nothing but a revelation that there is a strong, strong dependency upon myself, my ability, my skill, my intellect, my education, my connections. There is a dependency upon that. Works, my connections. I made this happen. And what that do that reveal? Pride. Pride. Pride boasts. Pride look for a paycheck. How could how could grace look for a paycheck when grace understands, uh, 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 not grace, but you understand it was grace. It wasn't me. Only thing I did, I had the faith. Grace provided uh, what it uh, provided what it needed to fulfill faith uh, perspective. I believe grace accomplishes it. Other words, uh, I get up and start moving. Grace gives me the strength to keep on going. But I got to start something. My faith without works is dead. Other words, uh, I can God tell me, get me out of that country, out of that father. I was going to the place I should tell you of. Uh, and I, I said, I believe what God said. God told me to leave. I'm going to leave one day. Is that really faith? Absolutely not, because there's no works. What is the works? I step out on what he said. And the moment I step out on what he said, grace provides me with the strength. Grace provides me with the authority. Grace provides me with the power to accomplish what he asked me to do. Then what happens? It is credited to me for righteousness. Why is it credited to me for righteousness? Because I obeyed him who is righteous, who is God. Are you, are you getting this? Are you getting this? See, we want to use faith, and I know this is Holy Spirit. We want to use faith to get out of the circumstance and situation that God have us in. You ever notice, if you if I ask our radio audience tonight, what character you would like to model yourself after in the Bible? I guarantee you, if not all, the majority of everybody that has joined us on this radio broadcast would never say Paul. We'll say everybody is but Paul. You ever notice that uh, uh, how many of you on, on, on this broadcast that have ever got a prophetic word saying, I have called thee to suffer many things for my name's sake? Have you ever got a prophetic word? Say, I have called you to suffer many things for my name's sake. I've been saved over 30 some years. You know something? I have never had anybody ever come to me and told me, and God told them that they must suffer. Many things for his name's sake. They got a prophetic word that God spoke to them. 
That's amazing, isn't it? But the prophetic word you got, God has called you to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, teacher. God said that he's going to take me around the world and I'm going to shake nations. Wow. Dynamite prophecy. And that's New Testament, isn't it? New covenant, isn't it? But we hear nobody saying that God has called them to suffer for his name's sake. But yet the scripture says, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Have anybody ever said, I'm going through because I'm living righteous. I'm really being godly. God told me, confirmed, that I'm going through what I'm going through because of uh, my, my relationship with him. This ain't the devil. This is God. It's amazing. Now, watch this right here. God speaks to Saul and said that he must suffer many things for his name's sake. Now, when he began to suffer many things for his name's sake, could he say, I'm going to use my faith to protect me. I'm going to use my faith to not to be beat by my own countrymen. I'm going to use my faith not to be shipwrecked three days and three nights. You ever notice that we never heard anybody say, Paul, owe ye a little faith? Because if you had faith, you wouldn't have never got beat by your own countrymen. If you really had faith, you wouldn't have never been shipwrecked three days and three nights. If you really had faith, you wouldn't have never went hungry. Your faith would have got you some food. It's amazing, isn't it? How messed up we can be in the body of Christ because of, because of the erroneous mentality and teachings that you and I get concerning faith, and faith have nothing to do with things and stuff and being protected. Faith have everything to do with confidence in the Lord God. What is the will of God for my life? Paul said, Christ is it for me. To live is Christ. It's Christ. I count all things done that I might win. Christ. I'm willing to give up everything for Christ. But we're willing to give Christ up for things. We're willing to give Christ up for our house. We're willing to give Christ up for our new car. We're willing to give Christ up to be rich. We're willing to give Christ up for everything. But Paul was willing to give up everything for Christ. And he gave up everything for Christ. And who taught on faith more than anybody? Paul. He wrote more in the New Testament and Old Testament on faith than any other character of the Bible. But yet, look at the things he suffered. Look at the things he went through. Then, could we say he's not a man of faith because he went through? Absolutely not. You want to know why? Because Paul fulfilled the will of God for his life. He could not die. He could not die. His faith would not allow him to die. When I say his faith, his faith in God, his confidence in God kept him alive because he had to go to Rome. His ministry, his life ended in Rome. That was the will of God for Paul. 
and he had faith enough and he had confidence enough to accomplish the divine and perfect will of God. He did. He fulfilled his purpose. He fulfilled his commission. And the only thing that mattered was fulfilling his purpose. What's the purpose of God for you? What's the purpose of God for you? What's the purpose of God for your marriage? What's the purpose of God for your family? Why God have you on that job? Everybody, when they first get a job, God gave me this job until a week later when hell break loose out on the job. Uh-uh, God made a mistake. This is the devil. It ain't the devil. You mean to tell me, preacher, that God will put me on a job that I'm going to be persecuted? Yes. But why will he put me on a job for me to be persecuted? For you to demonstrate and exhibit the faith, your faith, your trust, your confidence in almighty God It don't take faith to live a victorious life when you're not challenged with absolutely nothing. It don't take faith to live victorious when all of the bills is paid. There's no persecution. There's no lies. There's no this. There's no that. You harmonizing with your spouse. Your children are obedient. Your body is healthy. If if you're a pastor, your congregation is obedient. It don't take no faith for that. You don't need it. But can I maintain? Can I maintain the right attitude and disposition before Almighty God in the midst of all opposition that's coming against me? Can I still decree and declare what God has said about me in spite of all the hell that's arranged against me? Can I still say I'm the husband that the Father has ordained upon and wanted me to be, regardless of what my wife is doing? Can my wife say she's the woman of God that God has ordained upon in order to be not just saying it, but saying it because she believed God? Can you say that you are the man of God, you are the woman of God, that the Father has ordained upon and anointed you to be in spite of your failures and your mistakes? Can you say that? with confidence and boldness, without any condemnation, shame, or guilt. The only way you can do this, your your faith is in God. Your faith is in Jesus. Your faith is in the blood of Jesus. Your faith is in the death of Jesus. Your faith is in the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, the enthronement of Jesus. Your faith is in the atonement. And you walk with confidence like you have never Ever in your life, sin did absolutely nothing. You walk like you're a blameless person. The only way you can do this, faith. David said, blessed are the men who God does not impute sin. He's taken away your sin. But you've got to walk. Because he's taken away means nothing. You've got to walk. Your walk reveals your faith. Your walk reveals your trust. Your walk reveals your confidence in him. Your walk. Verse 5. Are you getting something out of this? I know you are because this is the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. The Spirit of God is ministering you to the point of your need. You've been frustrated and aggravated because you thought you was offering by faith, or you've been bombarded that you have no faith. 
Faith has everything to do with your confidence in Him. In Him. Are you getting this? Verse 5. But to the one who does not work, but who has believed in the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness for the one that don't work. And I, and I think this is, 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 is sort of like a paradox because of what James says, and here Paul says, James says, faith that works is dead. And then Paul's over here saying, if a man worked, then he's not justified. His faith, his, his faith is not credited to him. Uh, a righteousness is not credited to him if he do work. Are you seeing the difference in stepping out in obeying him. You're not doing it to please him. You're not doing it to get a reward. You're not doing it for you to become righteous. You're doing it out of your love for him and he imputes righteousness. You don't give up. You don't quit. Because people came against you. Hell broke loose against you. God allowed that for you and I to depend on him. Faith is, it's, it's, it's impossible to walk by faith without dependence. Impossible to depend on him. And watch it right. If, if that is the case, faith and humility also work hand in hand. Faith and humility works hand in hand. Notice what it says, if you will. Verse 6. Oh, I just quoted the scripture here. Just as David also speaks about the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, we live in a work-oriented society. You want to know why? Because we was raised that way. We was developed that way. What do you mean, preacher? We have, we have been developed to trust in ourselves, depend on ourselves. And it sounds good in this realm. And then when we get saved, we struggle with trusting God and not ourselves. Because we've been so, uh, we have lived in such a state of dependency upon our abilities, our skill, our education, our everything, but not realize and understand your skill comes from God. Your ability to uh, be uh, uh, to think cleverly comes from God. Uh, uh, whatever talent you have, it's grace. Whatever gift you have, it's grace. But but we've been lied to, not directly, but indirectly, because our parents didn't know themselves. You got to believe in yourself. You got to do that. Yeah, in a way, that's true. Now you don't give your, your life to Jesus, and now you're struggling to stop depending on yourself. You're struggling to stop to believe in yourself, to believe in him and him only. Because they did not, Paul said in the word of God in Romans chapter 7, that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And did he not say in Romans also that there's none good, no, not one? But I've been taught all my life to trust me and depend on me. And now once I get saved, he's trying to tell he's telling me to stop trusting me, stop depending on me, to trust him. 
But I've been trying to, I've been trusting myself for 20 some years. How can I stop trusting me for 20 some years? Look what I've gained in 20 some years. Look what I trust, uh, what I've accomplished in 20 some years. And now all of a sudden you want me to stop and start trusting you who I cannot see when my education, my skills, my intellect, my charisma has gotten me these things? He said, uh huh. They got to die. Because they won't work in the kingdom. They only work in this realm. They cannot work in the kingdom of God. The only thing that works in the kingdom of God is the man and the woman that is led by the Holy Spirit. And the only way a man and woman can be led by the Holy Spirit, they have to die to themselves. Die depending on themselves, trusting in themselves. That's the only way he can be led by the Spirit of God. For as men as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then if I'm dependent on myself, I'm not led by the Spirit of God. I'm dependent on me. You cannot be led by the spirit of the living God when you're living in dependency upon you. And that is the manipulation of the enemy, and that is, that is the manipulation of new age. New age theology tells you that you ought to believe in you, develop your own self, talk about self-esteem. Uh, think about it, self-esteem. Doesn't it sound just like a wonderful word? Self-esteem. He tells around, trying to around, tell us, put self to death. Deny self. Disown self. Pay no attention to self. But New Age says, or this realm says, humanism says, exalt yourself, build yourself, strengthen yourself, protect yourself. You are your own God. Whatever you believe you can achieve, you, you, you can achieve. And Jesus said, without me, you are nothing. But this room tells you to strive without him. Build yourself up. Strengthen yourself. Build self, 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 self. And Jesus said, die, 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 self. Die, 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 self. And Paul said, I die daily. Because it's impossible to have faith in God when you have faith in you. Don't we supposed to trust in ourselves? No. Well, don't we supposed to believe in ourselves? No. Who are we supposed to believe? Him. Well, the Bible says I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Uh-huh. It didn't start off that way. It didn't say love thy neighbor as I said. It says you were to love the Lord that God with all your heart, all your soul, mind, and strength. If I'm loving him with all, then there's no room for nobody else but him, and then I start loving myself out of the love I have from him. And then I can love you because I love me with his love. I love him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then he turns around and begins to pour his love in my heart by the Holy Ghost, as the Scripture says. Are you getting this? Glory to God. My time is up. I just looked at this. We've got a minute here. It's divine balance of relationship. He's challenging us to love him. He's challenging us to give it all to him and to walk by faith and not by sight. And I can't walk by faith concerning him if I don't know him. Let me conclude with this here. I was meditating on this. This came to me today. If I wrote a, 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 a letter, and in that letter, I shared with you all yesterday, I gave you a pair of prints about coming to my house 
I got $1,000 for you. One person that lies, another person that's a person of integrity. What if I had a letter, and, and you only read part of the letter, and it says, um, uh, come to my house and I give you $1,000. You read that letter. That letter, that letter was written five years ago. You didn't read the whole letter, you just read parts of it, come to my house and get $1,000. You come to my house and you said, I'm, I'm coming to get $1,000. I said, why are you coming to get $1,000? He said, because I, I, I read what you said, come to the house and get $1,000. Now, did I write that? Uh-huh. Can he have faith in that? Absolutely not. Why? Because that is not what we would call a rhema word. That is a logos word. The Bible says all of the promises of God is yes in him, amen. But all of the promises of God that is yes in him, amen, is not for you today, mean today. But they are yes in him, amen. The only one that is yes today is what the Holy Spirit quickened to me today. If the Holy Spirit don't quicken the word to me today, then that word is not for me today. But yet that word is for me, but not for today. Only what the Holy Spirit quickened to me for today is for me today. But yet the whole counsel of the word is for me. Do we understand? Ladies and gentlemen, I enjoyed thoroughly this little short exhortation on faith. I pray that you got something from the Lord uh, from yesterday and today uh, on these principles of faith. Let us get, bring balance. Let us bring balance. God loves us affectionately. And understand this right here. God created the earth for us, not Satan and the fallen angels. God created this realm for us to enjoy. He wants to enjoy it, but he don't want it to master us. He wants us to master it. This has been your host, Dr. E. J. McKenzie with the Master Key. Now, listen, next week we're going to be doing our last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We want to uh, invite you to join us on the prayer line, uh, 5.30 a.m., Monday, next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, it's next Monday, uh, we'll be on the prayer line, 5.30 a.m., doing battle, warring, and advancing the kingdom of God. Come join us. Tell your families and friends, it's nothing like getting a great boost in the morning. And when you get off this prayer line, you go and leave walking in victory and authority and power on your job, and it will sustain you all day long. So call your family and friends all over the nation and come and join us. You can go to our website, ejmpcc.com, and you can get the, the numbered codes and all of that information. And we got previous recordings uh, that you go back and join with us in prayer. Come be with us. We love you guys. Appreciate you. Let the rest of your night be blessed. God bless you now.